Real news. Well, well, well. So today is Monday delayed, right? Because we had the day off yesterday. A lot has happened uh, since yesterday, but uh, the news, unfortunately, is not reporting the majority. For me today, I'd like us to kind of focus on what we saw going on in Europe today after President Trump's visit and discuss what was said. Because a lot of people missed it. A lot of people didn't talk about it. And that would make sense. That would make 100% sense because they don't want us talking about it. Why don't they want us talking about it? Because people have access to information. And when you have access to information, you can draw links. And the links that we draw today is that Europe's message today, a day after sitting down and kind of digesting what went on with President Trump there, was a message of solidarity. That is the message and the tone that the European Union stated. They said, we need to stand in solidarity. Before I let the cat out of the bag and kind of say who else talked about standing in solidarity... I thought maybe we could just flip to a dictionary and kind of just define the word solidarity, which means unity as a group or class that produces or is based on a community of interests, objectives, and standards. You would think that I predicted this whole speech that they made today, the speech that Merkel had so proudly stated, and if you pay attention to the stream from Euronews, which is on YouTube, there was clapping, but there was also a lot of booing. Solidarity. So basically, her message was telling people that we need to stand by each other no matter what. We need to all share the same interests, same objectives, same standards. What does that sound like? Vanilla, right? Sounds like vanilla. And here's where it gets really interesting. There was one socialist who claimed the same thing. Claimed they demanded solidarity and social justice policies. Exactly what the left in the United States is pushing. We must all be unified. We must all stand together. We must all look after one another. Exactly what Merkel said. She was literally playing this tiny violin, virtue signaling to every leftist out there that has no idea who else stated those words. Because in the words of Hillary Clinton herself is... People forget really easily. And you know, Hitler. How socialist was Hitler? He used Social Security. He used and commanded a solidarity and a social justice policy that democratic socialists are peddling in our country. Remember, he used welfare as a trade-off. And, you know, how did he fund this welfare? Obviously, they had great manufacturing growth during the time of the Nazis. But how did they get that money? By taking it away from the Jewish. That's how they did it. It was all about money. He just found a group that he could target that made the most money and contributed the most to, socials, to their social security. And that's how he did it. There was nothing, you know, I might get a lot of flack for this, but the way Hitler operated, it was all about the money at the end of the day. He forced them to work with no payment. And when he couldn't extort them to work with no payment, what does that sound like? Slaves, right? 
right? Because that's what he did. He would murder them. That's pretty simple. And you must understand that the wealthy of Germany at the time were not Hitler's followers. They were not. They were among the small people, the the people with very little trade, uh, people that were poor, because the rich people actually lost out. The small businesses lost out, you know, the entrepreneurs. So the, the really poor people, the people with below average income, were the ones that had to gain substantially. And so the question is, if the Democrats in the United States succeed, as Europe is aiming to succeed right now, who will they mark to fund their universal health care, their universal payment? I mean, that's how it was, right? He distributed wages equally among people. How did he fund that? He distributed money for people to eat so they didn't have to work hard for it. They just did the job they were assigned. This is where America is at. It's 2018 and we haven't learned a lesson. Our country is in so much that where are they going to find the money? You know, every time people would ask Ocasio, hey, where are you going to find all this money for this like free education and free health care? Crickets. Oh, we have a lot of money. Where? Where is that money? Because this is exactly where the left, the Democrats in the United States want us to be, just where Europe is right now, where they've lost a sense of identity as countries. They've mangled the definitions of nationalism and patriotism, making it something shameful. So... Yesterday, a mandate was issued to the country of Greece. I was actually busy with that all morning because I have family there, and obviously my grandparents are there, and it involves property. Apparently, there was a directive sent out from Brussels to all Greek residents and Greek citizens or people that are entitled to Greek property. And being Greek, obviously... I have some property. Obviously, I've never claimed the property because I'm never going to use it. It's just a piece of land with a church on it. A lot of land, though, that I can't really develop because it's a mountain. And here's where it goes. If between a certain set period, Greek residents do not file a claim for the land that they are entitled to, within that strict 42-day period that the European Union passed down as a directive, Brussels owns that property. That sounds insane, right? So a property that's been in my family for centuries, from 0 AD and before, passed down generation to generation, will now be owned by people in Brussels or it would be property of the European Union to do as they please. Sounds like they're getting really desperate. They're desperate because they're giving out a message of solidarity, social solidarity, which means we should care about everyone next to us. We should make sure everyone has everything they need. And in an ideal world, that's amazing. We need that, right? We need to look after each other. We do. But not at our expense. But the European Union is so far gone that they even sat there and said, hey, we're going to send, we're going to build a European military to protect ourselves from the United States and China. That was another thing they said. So now we're a threat because we're making them pay for NATO. And then they're sitting there saying, in order to have stability, energy stability, we need to be really good friends with Russia. Wait a minute, what happened? I thought the U.S., China, and Russia are enemies. 
but you're also speaking about creating solid relations with Russia. So there's energy stability. I'm confused. Anybody else? I mean, that sounds very contradictory. Yes? So they're my enemy, but I rely on them for energy. Did you know that Germany relies on Russia? 70% of their energy comes from Russia. I would say they really need to be friends because if Russia doesn't want to be their friend, they're going to have problems with energy. They're going to have problems with turning on the lights. That speech was incredible to watch, you know, to see them say things that in the same sentence do not make sense, in the same paragraph would not make sense. It would be as if these were 20 different speeches spoken by 20 different people, yet it came out of one mouth. Here's the other kicker. They claim that they're going to send their European military when they build it to the borders to control immigration and maybe build a wall. Yet, when our country utters the notion of sending someone to our borders to protect it, just like in the caravan, we're like, we'll just send the National Guard and, you know, deter them from coming in or protect our borders. We were racist. We were xenophobes. We were all these horrible things. But when Europe says it, they're not Islamophobes. They're not xenophobes. They're protecting their borders from crazy migrants or overpopulating or people flowing in without knowing who they are. So it's okay for the rest of the world to build walls and send military to borders. But when America does it, it's bad. Hmm. I was very impressed with the way our president carried himself. Even though they were rude and very condescending to our president, who has the upper hand. They can claim they want to build an EU military to avoid paying their NATO fee, but if they don't pay their NATO fee, they should be out. Or let's just get rid of NATO altogether. I'm all for that too. The amount of money that our current administration has had to pour in to try to begin to rebuild our military is insane. Europe has no money. How are they going to build a military? I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to go to countries like you know, in the Mediterranean that have mandatory military service. Like in Greece, if you're a male, you have to go to the military. You have to go for at least, I think it's like 18 months. It's mandatory. So they're going to go to all these countries in Europe that have mandatory military service to maintain citizenship. Because you know what? If a Greek man doesn't go to the military, which is mandatory, they will go to jail or they get exiled, meaning you are revoked for being a citizen. These are the countries they're going to use. The ones that they tax tremendously, the ones that they've put under a whip. A lot can happen between now and January 1st of 2019. A lot. Countries can decide to say, I'm not doing this anymore. We're pulling out of the EU. We want our identity back. Hopefully they will. Because it's kind of sad to see these countries that have been there for centuries now simply being an echo of the of what they used to be really sad but you know what that's why america is a beacon of hope our president is a beacon of hope to those people in these countries and like he tweeted out and i loved it make france great again what happened to being a proud frenchman what happened to being a proud englishman a proud Spaniard where they had kings, queens, and kingdoms. Now they're in soup lines and have a 10% unemployment rate. 
they can't walk out in the street at dark alone because they might be attacked by these migrants. Might be raped. Is that what we want for our country? No, we don't. We don't want that. We're okay with everybody being different. We're okay with everyone minding their own business and not bringing it into work. You work, you study, and you produce. You don't work, you don't study, you don't produce, you don't eat. That doesn't mean I have to work extra hard so that you can sit on the couch and play video games. That's the way society works. That's the way it worked a century ago, two centuries ago, three centuries ago. If you worked, you had money. Mind, one thing that I found astonishing, you know, I, I, I see that a lot of um, sitcoms and short series are all like charmed. I really like that show. I don't know. I kind of liked it, even though I, you know, not a big fan of Milano. Uh, me and her go back way back, but um, I kind of liked it. Now the revamp is just so socially energized. It's so flat. But I did see Outlander coming out again this season, and I was kind of concerned because they were shifting the story to the United States, and I was like, I really hope it sticks to the book. You know, who needs Fifty Shades of Grey when you have Claire and Jamie? If anybody has stars, I highly suggest you watch it if you're into that. But here's the cool part. I was waiting to see a lot of uh, social justice virtue signaling through uh, the show. Because it takes them back to an era where slaves and... Um, you know, plantations existed and, you know, they were trying to gain their freedom from the British, etc. It showed how things work. It showed how these people that ran the states or colonies or counties or cities treated other people, people that were fellow Americans, how they felt about Native Americans, how they felt about, um, you know, the slaves that they brought in. And, you know, Outlander is based on this woman that time travels or whatever, and she falls in love with some dude in Scotland in the past, and it's just super complicated, but super cool. For me, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but here's what goes on. This woman was a surgeon, woman surgeon in the 70s in the United States and then transported back to the 1700s where she's, you know, in the United States with her beau, the Scot. And they're trying to build life, but they're slaves. And she did not see them as property. I mean, nobody really sees a human being as property because first you have to dehumanize it, right? You have to dehumanize people. And it's kind of natural when you see someone different that you treat them different because that's just an innate response. It's nature, right? But it would have had taken a lot for someone to treat someone like that. Superiority complexes, whatever. But it was really interesting to see how it showed the true face of the Democrats that they were only seen as property because it made sense to them so that way they could do things. But they used them as cheap labor. They were like, you know, you can, you know, make them free if you're a Quaker or whatever. But, you know, you can only make them free if they do something really good. And it takes me back to the thought, hey, you know, that's what the Democrats are doing with the migrants. Because I had a discussion with a couple of friends a couple of days ago on what's wrong with, you know, the whole message. And keep in mind, I have a lot of liberal friends, a lot of them. A lot of them that just believe that there should be open borders and everyone should just pour in. But the question is, why do American citizens think that they are above work? You know, it used to be in the 50s, right? And this is what Trump is trying to do. In the 50s, if you got yourself a job at a meatpacking plant, you were golden. Working at the coal mine, railroad. My husband works for the railroad. That is a golden job. He makes as much as doctors make annually. Working the railroad. And the thing is, these are jobs that keep the country going. 
plumbers, electricians, coal miners, meat packers, steel, you name it. We need all that. You, you know, for some reason, parents are raising their kids to think that you go to school, you get whatever degree, and then you go to an office and work for someone to be what? Their secretary? Or is that too sexist? Let's say their assistant, gal, gal or guy Friday, an analyst. Like there's only few people. I mean, if you go there with a gender studies degree, you're not going to get the high paying job. So there's only so many office jobs, but they, all those offices need steel. They need people to put them together, crane workers to, you know, put the building together, plumbers, everything. Like, why aren't we doing these jobs? Why, why don't we have construction workers? Why don't we have people working? Because this is how you create that class. This is how you create those people that will pick the berries for you. This is how you create that chasm between uh, the, the between society, which will be us and them. Make them stupid enough and don't have the opportunities for them. Then they rely on the government. Because if someone can't find a job in an office because they're packed, you know, then they rely on you. They need your help. They need benefits. They need food stamps. They need health care. And they're at the mercy of that 1%. That 1% that is sitting in D.C. making these policies to make sure, maybe not you, but your kids will be dependent on them. I don't see how people don't see that. President Trump is bringing back manufacturing to create those jobs. To create honest, hard work. Because if you work hard, you get what you want. Your priorities would be, let me buy a house. Let me get the picket fence. Let me get the dog, the husband, the wife. The whatever I want. Whatever I sexually prefer. I don't care. Kids. Let me have something so when I'm 65, I'm not alone. And that I've created something. And that I actually have a pension to look forward to. That's making America great again. That is the ultimate American dream. And, you know, believe it or not, I'm going to refer back to that show, Outlander on Stars. They said it so nicely. The American dream is if you work hard, you can have everything you want. So what is the big deal of working hard? So does that mean that I have to sweat and toil so that someone that doesn't feel like it or has issues with uh, confronting people or issues with um, working, that I have to feed them and clothe them? Is that fair? And I'm not talking about people that are biologically hindered or that have psychological issues. I'm talking about people that are able-bodied but just choose not to be. People that go and get disability because they're genderless and can't associate with people. You know, I blame their parents. I'm sorry. And if you're a parent out there, you know, you can hate me all you want. I've gotten some really good hate mail from yesterday. I'm okay with that. The parents, what happened to the parents? Where are you? How are you raising your kids like that? I've raised my kids to work. My daughter asked me to get a job. Do you know what I told her? You're not allowed to go flip burgers. I've taught you how to cook. You're not allowed to go to Walmart to stock shelves. You can stock my linen closet and do laundry and put it away properly. So she got a job learning how to change oil. That's a skill she's going to need. She's going to be useful somewhere. That's what parents should be doing. Teaching kids skills. Parents don't do that anymore. They just rely on these people that are supposedly educators to mold their children. You're relying on someone you don't know to teach your kid work ethic and study ethic. The majority of these teachers now are being trained how to identify attention deficit disorder. So everyone has ADD? Yeah, we have a lot of stimuli. It's hard to stay focused. Okay. 
That's not a disease. That's a benefit that you can multitask. Yeah, okay, it's a problem on organizing, but we'll get there. So in the next half, we're going to continue on electoral fraud, talk a little bit about Whitaker and maybe abortion. See you in a few. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855 855- 729-78. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Okay, so during the break, I've kind of been made aware that Mira Ricardel, she is the Deputy National Security Advisor, is fired. So apparently, uh, Melania Trump asked for her to be fired. She constantly clashes with um, General Mattis. So it seems that... um, Kelly wanted her out, too, so Melania kind of said she needs to go, and she's been given some time to exit, um, I guess, with some face. But that's that's pretty telling. I mean, does anyone know who this woman is? Like, what position she's held or anything? I highly doubt it, because, you know, the news, the media, the fake news, don't tell people about everyone 
who's in office, was in office, leaving office. The only time they'll talk about things is when they can use it against the president. So they're going to start talking about her and use it against the president, of course. Well, this time they're just going to target the first lady. Kind of like um, Whitaker. If you guys remember, I spoke about Whitaker, and I said that he was part of a company that was found uh, to be fraudulent and uh, was uh, done so in 2018 in May. Keep in mind, Whitaker was the chief, you know, was um, working at the Department of Justice during that time. So they obviously knew that he had connections to that company because he helped prosecute it or helped manage the staff that prosecuted them. But for some reason, there was a story there, and suddenly the FBI is investigating. Really? Because the FBI didn't investigate them when they took them down and found them to be a fraudulent company? Kind of like Mattis. Mattis was on the board of Theranos. Theranos, you know that company that had to do with blood dealings, like literal blood, and was found to be fraudulent? Did anyone say anything about that, that, you know, Joe Mattis was, you know, on the board? No. Because there's no story about that. Besides, he was confirmed pretty fast, so let's just say I'm taking a grain of salt with that one, right? But anyway, so who is Mira, right? Who is she? So she is the Deputy National Security Advisor to the President since May of this year. Before that, she was kind of like a special assistant to the President. And, you know, she worked with Personnel Office. And she was also um, Undersecretary of Commerce and Export. So she actually um, served early on in her years as a foreign policy advisor to Senator Dole, Bob Dole. And, you know, obviously work within the DOD uh, throughout um, the Bush era. And Bolton named her as his incoming deputy. And she's also on the Council of Foreign Relations, from what I see from her bio. So she's also a Georgetown University graduate. Isn't it funny how all of them went to Georgetown? Is that like how you become a politician? You have to go to Georgetown? <laughs> Georgetown and Harvard, right? Everybody just gets a bachelor's degree there and then just moves on into the D.C. swamp. It's like a guaranteed job. Wasn't Podesta teaching there? <laughs> so when she left the DOD... She was the VP of Teachscape. It's a company that um, creates educational materials and support for education. She was also working for Boeing. Wow. This is a little bit crazy, okay? Let's just, j let's just play a little bit of this connect the dots thing, right? All of these people that are in D.C. have worked for Lockheed Martin, Level 3 Communications, Boeing, Raytheon. I mean, you know, I, I think I touched upon it another time where I'm like, you know, when you go, when, you know, when someone says, I want to grow up and be a politician, you can't really do that. You have to, by definition, be the voice of the people you represent. Or if you want to work in government in a political position, you know, or take a position as such. Uh, that dictates policies or mandates that you have a connection with the community you're representing. I guess I need to change that and say, well, honey, you must go to Georgetown University and get a degree in something, intern while you're there with all the companies that they work for, which is usually the White House, DOD, the, the DOD, DOJ, FBI, CIA, you name it, Homeland. And that's how you become part of the swamp. So I guess there is a recipe because all of them seem to be working for the same companies. So, okay, so she's out. That's done, right? She's out. She's gone for whatever reason. Apparently, Kelly wanted her gone for a while, and Melania Trump um, was the icing on the cake. 
Hmm. Does that spell anything for Bolton? Maybe. I don't know. Seems kind of odd that the person that he tapped is out. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Another thing I wanted to touch base on is, uh, again, fake news. I wanted to talk about how they were saying that uh, it was the Times, right, that said that, oh, North Korea has, like, secret missile bases, and they're totally defying Trump. And it's like, come on, man. You know that's not true. And if it's good news or bad news, Trump actually tweeted, you know, I'll be the first to let you know if things go bad. And he would. Because he would hate to give credit to those um, fake news outlets to be the first to state it. He, it would come out of his mouth first. It would totally come out of his mouth first. So I, I don't see the point of the fake news. That was just super weird. It was. It was very random. Kind of like ABC's article stating, hey, you know, Trump answered questions for Mueller. No, he didn't. But if you click on the article that was um, titled as such, you kind of see that that's not real. So... A lot going on. We're all kind of on the ready. We're waiting to see what's going to happen. We have people complaining about Whitaker. Everyone's on fire about Whitaker. They hate Whitaker. They don't want Whitaker. There's even conservatives saying, oh, he might just recuse himself or kind of resign or not be able to do things. And I was thinking, based on what? There's no legal reason to not have him act as attorney general recuse him on what an article he wrote an opinion piece he wrote two years ago so what if he was writing yeah go Mueller just rip the Trump family apart then he'd be okay but if he's criticizing the way things are going that's a problem I mean come on people can't be that dumb can they People can't be so blind to what's apparently there. The same people calling for Jeff Sessions to be fired were the ones demanding that he shouldn't have resigned and firing him or forcing him to resign is a constitutional issue. But for like, you know, over a year, they've been saying Jeff Sessions needs to go. But the minute the president decides, okay, fine, he needs to go, they're all up in arms going nuts. And they're upset that Whitaker's in. I mean, you know Pelosi's, like, warming her hands, and she's like, yeah, we'll fix this. I mean, she even talked about immigration bill. Where are you going? We've got the Senate. That's never going to come to you. So let's just wait on Whitaker. I think tomorrow we're going to have some really good developments on that on that front. For now, though, <laughs> let's talk about Florida how people may or may not have voted. But the key thing is, is the breaking story that is being muffled by all news outlets uh, that was broke, that, that Laura Loomer broke. She was tipped off that an Avis employee found a box in the back of an Avis rental car at the airport that said provisional ballot. So she starts driving down that way and suddenly traffic picks up. And Broward Sheriff tweets, Our deputies and bomb squad are responding to a report of a suspicious package outside of Terminal 4. It just so happens to be where this Avis car was. You know, I talked about this yesterday and the day before. Well, that would be, yeah, I talked about it yesterday. Um, I wasn't on here on Sunday. But, um... So basically, they created this false bomb threat to what? Obfuscate? To what? Get rid of the evidence? But Laura Loomer already has photographic and video evidence of it. So then they just decide, right, that the 
bomb threat was not really a bomb threat and it's done. So how is it that they just pretend that there's a bomb? Like, are they really using that? Like, think about it, guys. If your government wants to cover something up, your local government wants to cover something up, they, they you know, uh, manufacture a bomb threat to keep people out. That's terrorizing the population. This should not be allowed. If anything, I, I know the president is on top of it, and he even says you can't have fair elections in Broward County. They're just giving birth to votes there. Besides, the thing is, how is that even allowed? How is it allowed? You know, Loomer had a source that was at Avis that says that the officers were actually filling out paperwork and they were literally looking at boxes marked provisional. And he had to, you know, and that, and an Avis employee actually had to contact the election authority, the election officials of Florida once that was found. So basically, Broward County, the sheriff's department, manufactured a fake bomb threat at the airport to shut it down to cover their tracks. Can we wrap our minds around this? So if they're doing it to just cover a ballot, how many other times have they created these false flag events? This is very telling. As a people, we should be very alarmed that something like this is happening. That our officials, it's like they can just pretend that there's a bomb threat. They could pretend that there's a shooting just to keep us away for something like to cover up a stolen ballot box or blank ballots that they're going to fill in later or that they filled in. Or maybe they could just be all Republican votes or whatever. Who cares? But the bottom line is it wasn't a bomb threat. Why did they say it? That's got to that's gotta really make you think. I don't care who you wanted to elect. I don't care who you vote for. The bottom line is, as a citizen, how does that make you feel knowing that the people that you invest trust in to protect you manufacture events to obfuscate what exactly they're doing? That's a big deal. That is a very big deal. And I don't see how this is not being reported more widely. Wow, they put out fake bomb threats, fake bomb events, false flag events to conceal whatever they want to conceal. That's incredible, and that is very telling. It might be some small thing. Oh, yeah, no, it's a big deal. It is a very big deal, and I'm surprised that no one's reporting on it more. I am. I'm just pretty shocked. Another thing that um, I wanted to discuss is I saw something go through my feed from uh, Michael Motes. I follow him on Twitter. Uh, I think he's an amazing guy. He puts out some really good work. But he was uh, talking about threats to our president. And I'll circle back to the whole President Trump didn't go to the ceremony because it was raining and he didn't want to travel in the car. Like I said... They thwarted a an attack, which the, some of the European media that was able to report it, because remember, this was not reported widely. They say that it was targeted to take out the French, um, you know, President Macron. Um, so they were going for him. We all know it's not. But threats to our president are real. Making credible threats or asking people to kill someone. You just need to find that crazy person that'll do it. And then you'll get the people that are all about gun violence. Well, then we just need to get rid of guns. No, we don't. Because most of these mass shootings happen in a place where they have strict gun control. Where they can't buy guns. Where they can't have a gun. They can't have a carry gun. And yet they shoot people up. Because if you want to shoot someone, you will find a way to get a gun. 
either that be legal or illegal. So for you to say that we need all weapons taken away is exactly what the first settlers did in the United States of the Native Americans. They disarmed them and then they got rid of them. That's how you control large populations. You disarm them. If they have no weapons, they can't fight back. And you know, our Second Amendment protects our first one. That's where we're down to right now, huh? Protecting ourselves from the government because they could just create false flag bomb threats to cover up stolen ballot boxes. It's crazy. But the thing that he tweeted out was this, um, and I should be putting it on the website later on today on ToriSays.com, kind of like a write-up. There's a list that is exposing over 300 different tweets that are still alive on Twitter that are direct threats to the president. Some of them begging for people to call, to, you know, to get rid of him. Other people saying, I'd do it, but I'd probably go to jail and I don't want to. There's tons of people that are that are literally tweeting about this. And remember what Jack Dorsey said? If you advocate violence to anyone, let alone the president, you will be banned. Yet these people are alive and kicking on Twitter. He also says that if you put private identifying information on Twitter, you will be banned. Yet they're all alive and kicking. Remember what happened with Tucker Carlson. They had his address there, and while he was in studio, a mob showed up to his house where his wife was. Pure insanity. It's a double standard. Because they allow violence like this to go on because they want to fuel it. Because pay attention. If there were so many liberals, if there were so many crazy people out there that really wanted socialism and communism to come back, these soy boys... They would have done something by now, but there's not a lot of them. That's why they can stay alive on Twitter. They can stay alive on Facebook, putting out hate, putting out threats, putting out addresses of people, and yet we don't see much manifest from it because they're the minority. Mainstream media knows that. I know that. You know that. We're the majority. And we also know they fixed every single ballot across the nation. You know, I've run into crazy liberals. I've had people tell me that, oh, orange man, bad. I don't like him. I vote for Hillary. And I'm like, don't you go to church every weekend? Don't you claim to be a... How can you vote for someone that advocates to kill babies? How can you vote for a party that supports to end of life? Oh, yeah, but it's not just that. You know, we have wars. We have, we're building walls. And I was like, wait, stop. We need legislation on murder, right? Yeah, of course, because then people would murder people. Yeah, but if I really wanted to murder someone, I would, regardless of the law, right? Yes. So their excuses, even if you legislate about abortions, abortions will still happen, just like murder. But where people are getting 10 abortions every one minute, maybe it'll be down to half an abortion a minute. On Statistic-wise, okay, not realistic. I have to explain myself sometimes. So... Why not legislate? You know? And, you know, uh, the, uh, the Democrats argue, and someone brought that to my attention. I was like, oh, totally. I'm, I, I, it totally makes sense. Adopting costs a fortune. My husband and I were thinking of maybe adopting a couple of children because ours are leaving and kind of going through empty nest syndrome. And I was like, yeah, maybe we should adopt. But it's like a fortune. Like even, even his employer offers help to pay for adoption costs. And I'm thinking, 
Yes, it totally makes sense. The Democrats, the laws, have made it so expensive to buy a human being that nobody wants to buy a human being because that's basically what they're doing. The government is being paid to hand you over a child that wants love and affection and, and, and someone to call mom, dad, a roof over their head and a warm bed, something that they should have and they're entitled to because they need it. We need to look after these young babies that are being born to people that don't want them. But the government has created the avenues to make it so difficult that they use that as a pawn to excuse abortion. See, we have abortion, so we don't have children. Because who's going to look after the kids? Like, if everyone's having babies, no one's going to look after the kids. Well, if you made it cheaper... And if you made it easier for people that have already had children and have sent them off and they're great members of society to raise these children, you wouldn't have a problem. So if we lower the costs of adoption to people that have already had families, I'm not saying that people that don't have kids or can't have kids shouldn't adopt. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, how much easier would it be to say, you know what, they they raised these two kids. I mean, you know, let's see how the kids feel in their, you know, environment. Let's see how they are. Instead, they make you, like, go through a process of almost 10 years of paying money before you can adopt. Like, the kid's going to be an adult before you can adopt them. So they make it really difficult to excuse why we need abortion. And I think maybe President Trump needs to focus on that. Ivanka could take lead on that one, right? How can we help the children that we have in the system now? I mean, in my state, there was an advertisement. Hey, we have like 1,500 kids in the foster system, which we know disappear. But the thing is, when I looked into it, it was like super tedious. I'm like, but I have two great kids. Why would I have to go through what parenting class? Um, Both of my kids are alive. Both of them have good values. They're doing great in school. None of them are doing drugs, and they're members of society but I have to take classes on understanding gender identity and stuff like that but anyway so they make it difficult and this is a problem for our society you know because people are having babies because they decide they don't want to have protected sex or they don't want to close their legs and then they're saying because there's so many babies being born maybe we should just kill them Because that's basically what they're saying. Rather than have them, because then society has to take care of them. Society would be taking care of children anyway. There's not one human being who would say, yeah, I'm just going to kill that kid because it costs too much. No one would do that. We would always find a way. There's so many families out there that I'm sure would be like, I have a bed, I have a roof, and I have love, and I'll give it to you. But I don't have $75,000 for each kid. That's the problem. So we need to focus on that. We need to invest more in our children. We need to invest more in families. And again, I'll circle back to my comment yesterday. The whole point of the Democrats was to destroy family foundations. You know, Trump is trying to bring that back. He wants people to have it. Look how successful he is. And I'm not talking about his money or his businesses. But this man has grandkids. He's lived to see his grandkids. How blessed is that? He has tons of kids, tons of grandkids. And you know, he's never going to have a lonely Christmas because he's always got someone around him. That's rich. That's being rich. That's what life is about. To know that you created a human being, you raised them to continue on. So for all of you out there, when you vote, think the human that you may create in the future will have to live with the decisions you make. Now, tomorrow, let's uh, hold our breath because I'm hearing that something really big is going to happen with Whitaker tomorrow. We'll see. Have a great evening and be safe.